Hey there, you're listening to Chase Stories Chats with Marcelino Perez, a series where I sit down with friends and talk about their life stories and journeys. We dive into their passions and how they got to where they are now, discussing the good, the bad, and the funny all along the way. Everyone has an important story to share, and there are valuable lessons we can take away from each one. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to another Chase Stories Chats. Today, I am joined by my friend, Bethany. Bethany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Bethany is a friend of mine. We met through Instagram, actually. Um, So we are IG friends. She has some amazing photography. Your Instagram handle is bethany.rachel.photography. Just photo. photo. Just photo. Yeah. So if you really like some black and whites pictures and stills and some really fun sort of captions as well. I've really enjoyed reading your captions also. Um, feel free to follow her there. Um, Bethany, as it is tradition here on Chase Stories Chats, we always start off with a cheers. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Have a nice little Corona. I just got some water to make up for the coffee I've had this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Bethany, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, what you do. Yeah. So I just recently moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I moved Mm -hmm. back in August and um, moved from Oklahoma. I moved here to start a master's program at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Um, I'm studying English literature. And while I'm there, I'm also teaching freshman English. So Mm -hmm. teaching and learning at the same time. Um, Part time, I do photography. For the most part, it's just fine art photography and just creating things that I love. But I also occasionally will get some clients. I love doing portraiture. I love um, getting to know someone that way. I'm Mm -hmm. better one on one, things like that. And so getting to work with a client and to create with them and to make them feel comfortable and make images that they love. um, That really gets me going. I love doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Before we get into the photography stuff, tell me a little bit of how that process and transition has been from moving um, from Oklahoma to Arkansas. We're just talking about it a second ago. I want to go a little bit into that as well. And, you know, sort of following your dream and getting your master's. Yeah. um, So I decided to do this back in December before, you know, the COVID thing was even on our radar. And Mm -hmm. um, so doing this during COVID has been challenging and not at all what I expected. Um, And so the transition has been difficult, you know, moving to a brand new place. I don't have any family here. Um, I knew one or two people, but other than that, I was basically moving to a brand new location and starting over to, um, to pursue the dream of studying literature and eventually teaching. Um, It's been an adjustment, but it's getting easier. Fayetteville is a great place. It's beautiful. There's a lot of, um, state parks, like just within like 30 minutes of me. And so um, getting out into nature and getting to explore, you know, different places has been helpful for me to get settled and feel like um, it's my place. Um, I love to explore where I live and to, you know, just get, you know, rooted in a place. And so doing that has helped with that transition quite a bit. Um, So it's, there's plenty to explore here. I'll probably never run out of things to do. That's good. I mean, you never want that. I feel like once you kind of reach that peak and aren't able to explore anymore, you might get a little bored of it. At least that's for me. That's for myself. 
Oh, same. I get bored quickly. So I need, I need variety. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what inspired you, literature? What's inspired you to do that? And what's, you said teaching as well. So yeah, what inspired you to do, wanted to study literature? And then you, what age would you like to teach? Well, ever since I can remember, I have loved to read. Um, I don't even remember not knowing how to read. That's how young I was when I started reading. And um, I just could never go without a book. And I love getting people excited about stories, love getting them excited about literature. Um, and I love learning just about what it means to be a better human being through stories. Mm -hmm. um, you know, reading other people's stories, reading good literature, it has helped grow me, um, especially in terms of empathy, being able to identify with somebody else, putting yourself oh, in yeah. their shoes. Um, and so that whole process, that whole arena, that has helped me just not only be a better person, but it's also encouraged um, another hobby of mine, writing. Um, I love to write. I love to encourage other people with telling my own story. Mm -hmm. um, I've recently started experimenting with fiction. And so um, going into a literature program, it just kind of made sense for me because number one, I love stories and I want to, you know, just refine that, that knowledge base and also to have the chance to grow as a writer. Um, as far as teaching goes, Gosh, I've taught all different ages before. This is the first time I've taught college freshmen. Um, most of my teaching before this was like private tutoring level. Mm -hmm. um, and I've taught anywhere from preschool all the way up to high school. So if I had to pick, I'd probably pick high schoolers. Um, but then there's also something really exciting about kids who are first learning how to read and getting them excited about what does it mean to read a story and what are stories about and what's it for and um, why should I love reading stories? So kind of both ends of the spectrum for me, I'd say. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. The, what you said about the empathy part and, and through stories, I think that's so true. And, you know, being able to put your shoes or put yourself in the shoes of either a character or one of the characters in the story, I think it's so big. And you can learn so much from, from stories, whether it be novels or, you know, nonfiction, fiction, whatever it is. Yes. Really, obviously, as I also really enjoyed reading growing up as well, I still do. Um, I once... Um, a story that my mom was to tell people is about how I, I she grounded me for reading Harry Potter in my closet <laughs> at 3 a.m. Um, on a school week or on a school day. And so uh, she took my book away and I was very sad. But that's hilarious. <laughs> so that that's like one of the, but, you know, as someone who enjoys reading, I really, that really, what you just said, you know, really resonated with me being able to put yourself, you know, in the shoes of these characters and, and sort of learn from them and, and be able to have these experiences. And so as I've gotten older and and sort of moved away from sort of the, the fiction stories like Harry Potter and sort of reading nonfictions and novels and things like that, it's sort of expanded as well. And so yeah. I really enjoyed that um, also, that piece of reading and how important it is for development as a person too. Um, oh, yeah. I like I need to introduce you as well to one of my friends, Tina. Her um, Chase Stories chat has not been posted. I think it's the next one that I'm going to do. But she's also a writer. So I feel like I should connect you two. And I think it that would be great. kind of fun for you two to talk about it. Um, but um, yeah, that's awesome. So teaching. We also talked a little bit about Zoom teaching and how that <laughs> has been really interesting. If anybody else is currently learning through Zoom, or is teaching through Zoom, I'm sure you have um, a similar experience potentially. Um, what, how's it been like for you um, teaching through Zoom? Yeah, it's been interesting. I, I'm an introvert, so I'm pretty quiet. 
But as far as my teaching style goes, I still really like to engage with my students and get to know them on a you know personal basis. And I've missed having that on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll have students with their cameras off and things like that. And so it's hard to connect. It feels very impersonal to me. And so having to adjust and to like overcompensate um, for that has been a challenge, but it's just, it's pushed me to, you know, think outside the box and, um, to create lessons that, you know, really are going to engage them and to get them to engage with each other. Um, I use breakout rooms pretty much every single class period to get them Uh talking and let them get to know each other. Um, but I'm just trying to, you know, these are, this is college freshmen and this is their, you know, freshman English classes is their very first experience with college. And it's not going the way they thought it was going to go. You know, it's, they weren't planning on COVID. And so taking that into account and trying to make it a positive experience for them, something they enjoy and try to just mitigate as much as possible what they're having to deal with, with COVID. Um, so I'm trying to not only just teach them English, but just teach them, you know, how to navigate this situation that they're in. So I hope that it's helping. <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, just the way you're going about it, I think is great. And I think everybody has had to be flexible in this situation. And this is your first experience too, teaching this age group. And you're, I think you're setting a good example and showing them like, hey, you know, the circumstances may not be ideal, but we can make the most out of it. Um, and also, I mean, it it's super tough. And I I don't know, like now this term Zoom fatigue is, is becoming a big thing. Yes. Uh, it's a real thing. It I, is. I feel it all the time and, and having to do it with my preschoolers is hard to say the least. Um, but it's also an opportunity to sort of expand and, and think creatively, like you said, which which I, I really like because I feel like I'm kind of having trouble doing that and I'm getting kind of frustrated with having to do Zoom. I'm like, oh, I'm on the Zoom call again. Um, oh, I hear you. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna take what you just said and and try to put it into practice and try to think creatively and use it as an opportunity for myself to be creative also. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. So let's talk a bit. So literature, um, writing, and then photography. How did you get into photography? And so that's sort of how we sort of met. Met in, in quotations or. Yeah. Follow each other on the internet. Um, tell me a little bit of photography, how that sort of started. Yeah. So I first got a camera. Let's see. So back in 2010. Yeah. Right after my youngest sister was born, I got a camera. Um, it wasn't a DSLR at the time. It was just a point and shoot, like a, a <laughs> one with a lot more features. So I got to play with it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was really fun. But just the process of taking pictures, I got addicted to it. I loved it. Um, and I wanted to take it further and get a DSLR. So I got a Canon um, shortly after that. And I just fell in love with it. Um, I've always been a creative person. I've always liked to make things with my hands. Um, I make music. I like to write. Um, but this was something completely different than anything I'd ever done. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted to just, you know, see what it was about and try it. And I loved it. Um, I would take pictures every chance I got. Um, mostly of my siblings. I have a lot of siblings. And so I made them be my models. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was always just a hobby for a long time that I did Mm -hmm. just something to, you know, take a break from school or just to think differently. Um, I liked making beautiful things. I like, I like to look for beauty just around me and just my everyday life. Mm -hmm. And my camera helped me do that. Um, I got to just explore, you know, my neighborhood, my home and even my own family and just, you know, 
it taught me to to look at things differently and taught me to you know recognize beauty in mundane moments. Um, so I feel like taking pictures actually trained my eye to just see my life differently. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think I think I I have a similar experience in terms of how photography has sort of shaped how I see things as well. I think you and I may not have the same sort of photos that we'll enjoy posting online. Mine is very much just sort of nature and landscape and having like genuine moments in nature, which is what I really enjoy and what inspires me. Um, but I think having the camera as well has made me really appreciate those smaller moments. And I've caught mm -hmm. myself too, as, as someone who can get caught up in the social media world as well. And it's very easy to get caught up with numbers and wanting to take certain pictures because I know they'll do well on social media and then I'll have a bigger audience. And it's very easy to get for, for myself to get um, sucked into that. Oh um, yeah. But it made me appreciate also the, the taking a step back and not having the camera too. Like having the camera has made me notice some more details and you know, attention to details, lines and, and things like that, and just seeing the beauty. And then because I was able to do that and kind of got sucked into it, but then realizing, hey, I need to take a step back and taking that step back has made me appreciate these smaller moments even more. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's been so important. And like you said, like family is like a big, is family like really important to you as well? It is, yeah. I'm the oldest of um, nine kids, so. Man, you beat me. I was really? say, I'm the oldest of eight. Oh my gosh. So you're right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you understand the challenges of being the oldest of a big herd. Oh man. Uh, yeah. too, too well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to commiserate on that being the guinea pig and mm. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. But yeah, like, so I'm assuming you seem like a great older sister. What has that been like, you know, taking pictures of your family being the oldest as well. What has that been like for you? It's been a lot of fun. Um, so I got my first camera when my youngest sister was born and mm -hmm. I got to just document her life in ways that none of my other siblings' lives had been. Of mm -hmm. course, my parents always took pictures, but I was just constantly carrying that camera around and taking pictures and just to watch her grow up and catch these little moments of her. And then also, you know, my other siblings as they were doing life, um, it taught me just to, I, I became really good at documentary photography, just, you know, watching and waiting for that moment to happen and um, I loved getting to capture these special moments of their personality and um, seeing it come out even as you know tiny children um, and capture moments of my own family. Um, I really, I really enjoyed doing that. And I miss doing that because you know, I don't live near family anymore. Um, mm -hmm. They're back, they're all back in Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, it definitely shaped me to. And I feel like taking this further to where I'm at now with photography, I have recently gotten gotten into street photography mm -hmm. and taking pictures of my family and documenting their life and watching for moments kind of helped me become a better photographer in other ways, you know, in street photography, it's all about catching that defining moment. Yeah. It's helped train me to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what's the age range for you? And you, let's say, let's say you and your youngest. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to turn 30 in just a few weeks. And uh -huh. then my younger sister is 10. Damn. Yep. That's crazy. Well, uh, let's see. What's the age range for me? 22 years for me. I think they're either five or six now. I think they're five. Mom, I'm sorry. I don't remember. Kit, exactly <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think the youngest is five. I'm 27. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, 
<laughs> it's a big age range. It almost feel like I'm an, a, like the uncle. I know. That's how I feel with my youngest siblings. Like the youngest three, I helped raise them practically. And so mm -hmm. they're more like my children than they are yeah, my than siblings, right? Yeah. Um, what have been, I, there's a couple of things that I've kind of dealt with being the oldest. Um, what have been some of the struggles and difficulties? Obviously, there's a lot of great things too. Like they, I used to have my younger siblings bring me snacks and lemonade all the time. It was a nice perk. <laughs> Of being the oldest what are some for you have you experienced there like any difficulties being the oldest and things like you said guinea pig almost um yeah um so challenges definitely being the guinea pig you know your parents you know my parents had me when they were pretty young and so mm -hmm. you know, young parents are learning you know when to be you know strict and when to not be and so everything's a test case for you for the oldest um and then it's just a lot of responsibility. Um, yeah. you know, my mom, she uh, she didn't have you know a lot of family around her to help with everybody, and so this is a pro and a con because um, I loved getting to do this, but it, it was a lot of you know responsibility helping her take care of everybody. Um, we also homeschooled, and so I helped her homeschool quite a bit. Um, that's actually where I first got my you know love for teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, yeah, just the level of responsibility that it is. And two, you know, there's just no privacy. I'm sure you can understand that. <laughs> there's not a shred of privacy. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. No, I've definitely, definitely share some, definitely share those feelings as well. Yeah. I think for me, another one was um, just a, a bigger sense of responsibility that can yeah. For, for me, at times, could be overwhelming and just yeah. um, higher expectations. Exactly. I mean, you realize you've got all these people looking up to you and and your parents, you know, when raising you, they're, you know, it's like they're counting on you to be a certain way so that you don't <laughs> negatively influence the ones underneath <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to look bad. You don't want to be the... Exactly. exactly. And yeah. And at the same time, it's like also wanting to to carve a path in a way for, yeah. for those for those younger than you. Um, yeah, you leave a legacy. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that's one thing I did love about it is getting to um, directly impact so many people, even though it was a responsibility and a challenge and I have failed in many ways, but um, it's also a joy when you see, you know, those relationships grow and when you see that you are actually having an impact on somebody and this is your sibling. Um, yeah. And there was, it was never a dull moment too. There was always somebody to do something with. There's always somebody to hang out with. So mm -hmm. definitely great things about it. Oh yeah. I love, I mean, I love being an older sibling and I think as I've gotten older, um, been able to connect more with my siblings, it's not just yeah. this rivalry and they're annoying the, exactly. the, shit, the shit out of me half the time. Um, and just bonking heads and having, <laughs> um, having some space as well does that and helps since, um, my sister lives in Ohio and then my other siblings live in North Carolina. And so like having that space, I think has made a it's made me appreciate the time that I spent with them and having more quality time. And as well as like, as you get older, similar to like relationships with your parents, Yeah. Um, at least for me, it's become more of a, a friendship thing and, and creating that. Um, so oh, yeah. having, I don't, I can't imagine not having siblings. Me neither. I, I can't imagine being an only child after this. Yeah, I just have no frame of reference. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so you helped, that's crazy. You helped homeschool your siblings then. 
I did. Yes. Yeah. I actually, it's, it's funny that you teach preschool. That was the first thing I ever did uh, was teach preschool. Um, so one of my younger brothers, I love preschool had, teachers. Love it. Yeah. I loved it. And I, I wrote my own curriculum and I taught three of my siblings, um, their preschool. It was like a private tutor situation. I just taught each one of them for two years to get them ready for kindergarten for mom. And so, um, I started doing that with um, one of my brothers who had some speech de delays and some developmental um, challenges and just trying to get him ready for kindergarten, just help him out with those things. And it kind of just blossomed from there. Um, it started out just helping him with his speech therapy too. I was teaching him all different kinds of things and I just loved it. Um, and it was so much fun. Um, and so then I just kept doing it with the rest of my siblings as they got old enough. I, I kept doing it and reworking the curriculum to meet their specific developmental needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved doing that. It was, it was great. Yeah. What other sort of teaching experience do you have? So like now you have, you know, you're working with freshmen, what other um, sort of experience have you had? And what has your experience been so far as a teacher? <laughs> well, let's see. Most of my experiences experience has come from teaching my siblings. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, in different age ranges. So I've taught them in elementary school too. Um, even helped, you know, with high school subjects and things like that. More of like a, a an assistant, you know, teaching mm -hmm. that way. Um, I've also taught a lot in church. I've taught Sunday school, um, things like that even help teach some classes in like, you know, homeschool groups and situations. Um, but then as far as teaching in college, it's been completely different than anything I've ever done. Um, it's, it's a bigger situation than anything I've ever been yeah. in. Um, but it's, it's going well. Um, I, I'm a perfectionist and I set the bar pretty high for myself. And so I, I struggle with, you know, not living up to my own expectations. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's that's challenging to learn to give myself grace in this challenging situation that we're teaching in. But I'm really liking um, a lot of the aspects of it. Um, you know, I'm teaching writing specifically, teaching college comp and getting to take people who either have you know very little background in writing and trying to my, my goal for them. It's to not just, you know, teach them how to be grammar Nazis and things like that. It's to get them to be able to express themselves and mm -hmm. to get them to be able to, you know, have conversations in whatever field they're doing. And so it's been helpful for me to try to meet them where they're at and try to bring them, you know, to understand that, you know, writing isn't just a chore. It's not something you're just doing just to get, you know, an A on your transcript or whatever. Um, I'm teaching them, you know, this is part of your life and this is going to help you be a better human being and, you know, help you succeed in whatever you're doing. Um, and sometimes it's hard to get them to see that. Sometimes it's hard to get them to think in big picture terms like that. And so, um, one of the ways I've been doing that is just trying to come up with, you know, a, a wide variety of assignments um, to show them how that actually applies. Like the other day, we actually analyzed a car commercial and oh, really? now we broke it down and like did it just basically a, a, a rhetorical analysis over it to see like, look, you're constantly being inundated with media. You're constantly being mm -hmm. inundated with stories. And how are you engaging with that? How are you responding to it? Um, something that's, I think, really critical is, is thinking about that in terms of just the political scene that we're in. You know, we're in a we're in an election year and a lot of these kids are voting for the first time. And so just getting them to see that writing and reading, they go hand in hand and it's going to help you just navigate the world that you're living in. So that's that's kind of how we're approaching it. And it's working for the most part. Um, so hopefully it, it sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I I I'm just thinking about my experience writing and I think I was very blessed to have very um, a lot of really great 
literature and English teachers that really sort of pushed me to grow as a writer. Yeah. I still don't think I'm a very great writer. Um, and it's something that I'm, I want to get better at, but I think throughout the years, especially hitting my sort of mid to later twenties now, um, has been the benefits of writing. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, just, you know, writing in order to remember. Yes. <laughs> in terms of just like journaling and just getting my ideas out and, I, for me, I think it obviously depends on the person, but for me, especially it's, it's helped me in my creative process as well, just being able to write things down um, and sort of use that as a tool for myself. And it's been really helping in terms of the creative side, um, in terms of, you know, being able to recall these certain fun memories, whether, yeah. you know, through adventures, travels, day-to-day -day thing, and just very much the benefits of writing, especially daily journal journaling, um, mm -hmm. has been something that I've been able to discover over these last couple of years and and highly recommend for those that aren't doing it um, to do it as well. Do you do a, a sort of daily journal type thing? I don't, but now you've inspired me. <laughs> it's uh, I, I have done a little bit. It's not necessarily journaling, but I am working on a novel that's more of like, mm -hmm. it's more of like a fictional memoir. And so I've been taking some of the stories from my own life yeah. and incorporating them into a story um, sometimes fictionalizing them or adapting them, but mm. it's, it's been a, it's been a really interesting experiment. I don't even know if I'll publish it. It's just been kind of a fun project that I'm working on on the side. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that process of reflecting on your own life story and reflecting on the meaning of the events that take place in your life. Um, and journaling is a great way to do that because you can go back and look at it and see, you know, how have I grown? What have I you know accomplished? Um, what struggles have I overcome? Um, you know, we're constantly trying to make meaning with our lives. And I think that's another reason why I love photography. Life can be chaotic um, and life can be difficult. Um, and so when you're taking a picture, you're capturing a moment, you're basically trying to get a little snapshot of order in the chaos of life. And that's kind of how I see writing and journaling and writing mm -hmm. about your own life is trying to make sense out of the chaos of your own life. And it's really good. It's really helpful. Yeah. How, so you said you're you're currently working on this. You may or may not publish it. And you also mentioned how you are a big, um, what's it called, a big perfectionist as well. How have you been able to get through sort of, you know, you wanting to, to have things done a certain way, being a perfectionist, wanting it um, to be perfect and also being okay with, with putting this out there and writing this and whether that be through your writing, through your photography as well. How do you sort of get through that and how do you deal with that? Because I, I also experienced that as well, which is why it's taken me so many years to start this freaking project. With <laughs> chats. I've had this idea for over five years and I'm only barely starting it. How do you deal with it? It's a challenge. Um, I, I tend to hate my work pretty quickly. I'm, I'm really hard on myself. Um, I like things to be a certain way, like with my writing. I don't like to revise things. I like to get it perfect just you know, the first mm -hmm. time. So I, I really invest myself in a project. Um, and then in terms of, you know, putting it out there and feeling brave enough to do that, it's a very scary thing. Um, yeah. I actually had never really shared my writing, um, except in school, of course, until last year. Um, one of the things I also like to write is just like reflective essays that just, you know, on inspirational topics and things like that. And um, a friend of mine, 
read my stuff and really encouraged me to get it published and really encouraged me to put it out there. Um, so having somebody who believes in you, having somebody close to you who can look at your work and see, you know, can, can tell you honestly, is this trash or is this actually something good? Somebody you trust that has really helped me. And so because of that friend, I was brave enough to actually submit something. I got something published, um, with relevant magazine last mm -hmm. summer or yeah, not this past summer, but summer 2019. And that was a really gratifying experience for me, um, to, you know, go through that process of, uh, you know, fearing rejection and being rejected. I was actually rejected a few times before I got it accepted somewhere. Um, so it was a humbling process, but it also just helped me to be brave and realize, okay, um, I do have something worth saying. I do have something worth sharing. Maybe it's not perfect, but it doesn't have to be perfect to actually be worth something. And realizing that and having people believe in me has really helped me get past that. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I'm still figuring it out, but definitely <laughs> having having good friends um, yeah. and just a good support system, I think, is huge for, for oh, getting yeah. with that especially on a creative side, side. And I think for me as well, what's helped is working with other creatives. Yeah, for sure. And that's been, especially more recently, actually more recently, I, um, two, two good friends that I met through Instagram as well were coming down the, the California and Oregon coast. And sort of we hung out and took pictures and it made me so happy to be able to have other people, other photographers and hang out with them and just shoot with them and hear their, yes, the, exactly. the way they, their sort of creative process and how their creative eye as well. And I think that's huge. And having somebody who can help out with that, um, whether it be a friend, a parent, whoever, or just somebody who can read over your stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, it's huge. You know, I, I'm sure you've experienced both ends of this too. I've experienced people who are extremely competitive. You know, creatives can be kind of snobby <laughs> uh -huh. and elitist with each other and competitive and not be very helpful with each other. Um, and then I've experienced also having some really good relationships with creative people who they generally want to collaborate. They want to yeah. learn from each other. They want to share. They want to see their friends succeed. Um, and that's having that kind of a relationship with people is huge, I think, as a creative Mm -hmm. How how do you continue to expand your creativity and how do you deal with those creative roadblocks? I, I know <laughs> yeah. you touched a little bit on, on nature and how that's important for you. but Yeah, so um, I get bored easily. And when I get bored, that's when I hit a roadblock and I can't come up with a new idea. Um, and so what I usually try to do um, is either I'll get inspiration from a friend or get inspiration from um, somebody, you know, that I follow creatively, like on Instagram, things like that. Or I'll just try a brand new project, something that I've just never done before, just to see whether I like it or not, whether I even have anything I can do with it. Mm -hmm. um, so recently I had a roadblock in photography. Um, I, I switched to Fujifilm after being with Canon for a while and switching to Fujifilm itself was a huge creative um, burst of energy for me. That camera system, I don't know if you've ever shot with it, but there's a, there's a certain magic to that system that is just, I don't know. I can't, I can't even totally describe it. It has just really, you know, um, encouraged my creativity. Um, Bethany, before you continue, could you expand a little bit on just like what Fujifilm is and yeah, the difference so, between that and, and just like a regular Canon, because I know some friends just aren't photographers on this that listen. Uh, yeah. So you can explain that too. So um, Fujifilm is a unique system because within their cameras, they have embedded the color science of their films, which their film was what made them famous. Mm -hmm. And by embedding that color science within their cameras, you can switch between those different film simulations as you're shooting. 
Um, and so as you're shooting, you're getting to experience some of the nostalgia of shooting with film, yes. in the digital age. And that has been so much fun for me. Um, and so when, when I switched to that system, I switched to the system in January and probably back in, I'd say May, I decided to have an experiment um, to go in a new creative direction. I decided to shoot with only their black and white film simulation. Uh -huh. um, yeah, to like have specific projects where I, I'd go out and shoot and I was only going to shoot black and white. Um, their black and white simulation is Acros. And um, it's a beautiful film simulation, but it was challenging for me because I was trying to get the shot perfect in camera, perfectly exposed, perfectly framed, so that um, it would train me to be, you know, more perfect <laughs> in my shots. But shooting black and white was helped, you know, grow my creativity because suddenly I was thinking not in terms of, oh, what looks beautiful, you know, what colors are attractive here, but what lines, what shadows, what shapes, what people, what subjects am I focusing on? Um, and so that doing that has really helped my creativity. Um, it was, I'd never done anything like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've loved it. And so since then I've primarily shot in black and white from here on out, I've still done some color, but it's been fun shooting black and white in all different settings, settings where you wouldn't normally do it, like going out and doing nature work in black and white. You'd think, why would you do that? Because part of the appeal of nature photography is the color. Yeah. Um, but even doing that has like rendered some really unusual results and it's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You also, you touched a bit about um, portrait photography, which is something that I do not do as much, um, but it's something that I kind of want to get into just because I think being able to shoot the human experience and having mm -hmm. them in it or just having people in it just makes the photos just so much more personal. And I think it just, I don't, I don't really know how to explain the feeling to be honest, but there's a, there's, there's this feeling that you get when having a subject and, and being there and having those emotions showing on their face. It just brings something out of the pictures that makes it so much more real. Yeah. Uh, how has it been like, you know, shooting photography and or sort of sh shooting p portrait photography and having creating those sort of like intimate pictures while also, you know, meeting, do you, it's sort of like meeting these new people. Do the people you shoot portraits with, do you know most of them? Or is it just usually, or like, is it just like a random gig? It varies. Um, yeah. A lot of times it's just people that are friends of a friend needing a photographer. And so someone's mm -hmm. recommended me, um, which I love doing that because yeah. you know, somebody new and work with them is, is a challenge, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't like when they're going out and shooting um you know, nature or landscape types of photography. They don't like having people in the pictures. And I'm like, I want the people in the pictures that tells yes. a story. And that's kind of how I approach portraiture. Um, I'm not, I'm not super big into, you know, posing people and posing clients, mm -hmm. but you, know, you have to do that. You have to kind of coach them. You know, most of your clients are not going to be models, but I like to try to get them to just be themselves and be real um, and document just them, their personality. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's a really fun way of approaching portrait photography. I know, yeah. you know, Right now, this style is a lot of lifestyle photography, and that's that's really you know the direction people are going in, and it's a fun way of doing it. Um, I remember one shoot that I went on. This was back, um, gosh, I think it was it was the end of 2018. It was I actually shot out on New Year's Eve. It was a family session. I didn't know the family, um, but I went out to their property and we shot you know a bunch of rural family scenes. We had you know some of their farm equipment. We had all their dogs, and it was just so fun just getting to see 
their lifestyle come out in these pictures. And I got to capture, here's a snapshot of their life in their home. Um, and I loved, I loved doing that and getting to just see them in their, in their element and just seeing them relax. Um, and that's been, that's been a really fun way of approaching portrait photography for me. It helps take the pressure off of me yeah. pose, and it also takes the pressure off of them to feel like they have to perform. I don't want them to feel like they have to perform for their shots. I want yeah. them to be real. Totally. I think for me, when I, when I go out of shoot and I try to incorporate that into my pictures is if I'm going, because when I usually go take pictures, I'm out hiking or I'm out by the beach or whatever. Um, and if I have a friend there, I always try to, you know, catch, capture them in the moment. Yeah. And have that just because of how nice Instagram is and being able to have, you know, multiple sort of pictures that you, and essentially like that gives you the opportunity to create a story. Yes, uh, in your in your posts, which I've really enjoyed and, and trying to incorporate more in my shots is having sort of being able to try to tell this story um, through the photos. And so having a, you know, having this genuine moment of yeah. being on this adventure with a friend or by myself um, yeah. and having, you know, obviously what I love, which is like nature and having the person there and then having those those moments put together. And I think it I think that's the biggest thing with photography is, is telling, is trying to tell a story. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. And, and I think, yeah, with, with captions too, like you can incorporate that as well and create this very much, you know, this, this full encapsulating thing, um, which is cool. Yeah, it really is. I remember um, back at the beginning of, of the quarantine era, <laughs> going out and taking some pictures and, not being around people for a while, like it made me more aware of the people that were around me and made me more aware as a photographer. I remember in particular capturing this one photograph, you know, having a person in the photograph instantly humanizes it. And they give you just a glimpse into that person's humanity, even if you don't even know them, even if you don't even talk to them. I remember catch, catching a photograph. It was of a, an elderly woman going home to her retirement home. She's walking her dog and just catching that picture. Um, and, and catching that little simple moment of her coming home at the end of the day, you know, with her dog, with her best friend, it just made me to, you know, think about, you know, how do I, what's, what's the responsibility I have as a photographer to tell stories, to get people to see, you know, mm -hmm. the people around them. And for me, you know, the pictures that I take and even the captions that I try to put on Instagram on, on occasion, I want other people to, who, even if they're not photographers to learn to think in terms of, other people's stories and to pay attention to who's around them and, and to listen better. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something I love about using Instagram to tell somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you have a plan in order to incorporate both your writing and your, and your photos in the future? I've thought about it. I thought about making a specific Instagram. I even tried it for a little while. I, I abandoned it for a while cause I didn't have much of a focus to it, but I, I thought about having an Instagram specifically dedicated to just documenting everyday life. Um, the people that are in my life or even just, you know, the events that are taking place in my life and make those captions more of a, of a, of a journal, so to speak. Um, and just, you know, writing, making that feed a story in and of itself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, each picture goes with the story that I'm, or the piece of the story that I'm writing that's, you know, my life and the lives of those people that are around me. Um, focusing on just, you know, the common life and what does that, what does that look like for, you know, all different kinds of people? Um, I can see that being something that, 
becomes an ongoing project that I do and maybe even turning it into a book at some point, mm -hmm. a photo book, but um, that's kind of in the dream stage right now. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's awesome. And I think not enough people kind of realize how unique and special their, their, their current life is. We can kind of get mm -hmm. caught up in seeing, especially with social media. Um, it's, it's very easy to see, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. And oh, then yeah. I'm just kind of here um, and kind of realizing that you, your experience is very unique and different than anybody else's and just how important it is and how your opinion, your experiences are very valued, which yeah. is what I'm hoping to try to, you know, bring out through these talks is just how, you know, each person that I talk to who may be coming from very different walks of life still have something that's really important to share and to hear. And yeah. I, think, I think through that, you, I mean, the way you express yourself creatively is like through photography and through, through your words is, you know, a way that you can, you can share that and kind of show that as well in a very unique way, which is super cool. Thanks. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've experienced this being on Instagram and I'm sure everybody has, but don't you feel this pull to like glamorize your own life in a way that mm -hmm. doesn't even feel authentic anymore? Like yeah. there's such a pressure and I kind of want, I would like to create a feed that counter balances that that mm -hmm. just accentuates the commonality and the ordinary and makes that something worthwhile, worth looking at and worth enjoying. Um, instead of trying to just glamorize it, make it fit, you know, what's going to attract the most likes. Yeah. I'm way cooler on my Instagram than I am in real life. Yeah. It's like, if you, if you people who follow me on Instagram saw me in real life and hung out with me, you would realize I am not as cool as I may seem to be. Sorry, oh, yeah, same. breaking a lot of people's hearts right now. I apologize. <laughs> not who I am. <laughs> Imposter. <laughs> but no, I mean, like that. That I think that's true, and I think it's important to uh, try to. I think if we had more people doing that on Instagram, I think it'd be. It would really encourage a lot of other people to do that. Um, so I'm gonna set that as a goal for myself moving forward. I haven't posted. I've been also in a sort of creative rut. Um, and just not wanting to post either. And that kind of goes as well with just like moving and, and settling into a new spot. Uh, oh, yeah. But I think moving forward, that's gonna be something I'm gonna try to do with my words and just through my photos as well, um, showing the authentic side of, of me. And as well, I think everybody should try to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, sorry, Corona break. Um, <laughs> um, Bethany, um, you kind of brought it up. I sent you beforehand. I kind of set Bethany um, a list of the questions to sort of like fall back on through this chat, and we kind of discussed a little bit about what have been sort of like some difficult things in your life that has sort of pushed you and sort of made you who you are. Would you like to share some of those? Um, I know there are some big things that you, that you wrote about um, in that email. Yeah, um, really the last 10 years and maybe even 15, if I extended it to my teenage years, have been kind of challenging. Um, my family went through a lot of change, a lot of instability. We moved a lot. Um, I lost my two, my only two living grandparents. Um, I lost a baby brother. And, you know, through all that, 
um, you know, experiencing all that as I was growing up, as I was a late teen, a young adult trying to figure out my own life, dealing with grief um, that really took its hold and not just on me. It, um, I started developing issues with anxiety, issues with depression, things like that. Um, and just really struggled, um, to, you know, to make sense of everything and to deal with it all, um, while I was trying to just make my own way. And, um, it was through, you know, through my faith and through, you know, pressing into these creative processes that really helped me deal with that. I'm still dealing with a lot of those things, um, that, you know, just basically just, you know, the ordinary events of life that we all deal with that, you know, take a toll on, on us and take a toll on the everyday. Um, but for me, having, having these creative outlets, having these places for, um, just, you know, expressing myself either through writing or through pictures has really helped me to heal and to help me, you know, you know, process the things that I've been through. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been a season of a lot of, a lot of growth and a lot of challenges that I'm still really living in. Yeah. I, yeah, I think for me as well, having gone through stuff also, I think, you know, being able to have these creative outlets has been huge and maybe some people may not be as creative, but they're always other, you know, there, there are many alternatives to, you know, not just writing and photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I love, you know, being outdoors and just doing that and oh, being yeah. outdoors and being active is another great way that I sort of deal with my stresses, anxieties, whatever. Um, Pressing into things you love. That's really yes. healing. It really is. And that's often the opposite of what you actually want to do when you're depressed, like mm-hmm. the things that you love, suddenly you don't even have any interest in anymore. Um, yeah. But if you can, you know, press into those things and find people around you who are doing that, that was another thing that really helped me is I had a friend who had these same interests and encourage those things in me, encourage me out of my ruts, encourage me to um, to get back into it, even when I didn't feel like it, knowing that if I did it, I would feel better. And I did. Um, so having people like that was really helpful. Yeah. The community. It is. Yeah. Community is key. Yeah. I talked about that, actually. Fun fact. With my preschoolers today, Aww. we talked about what a community is, yeah. how to feel safe in a community. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think that's huge. And for, for myself as well, just having great a great support system. I'm very blessed to have one with really awesome friends um, and family that I can lean on. And mm-hmm. I think that's been, you know, when the you reach those tough times, having those people yeah. uh, to really motivate you along with, you know, your own passions and, and personal things that, you, you know, really push you to get out of those sort of ruts at times. Oh yeah. And, and two, you know, it, it changes the way you create, um, you know, Mm -hmm. having grief, having struggle, um, it changes what you produce. And for me, some of the best things that I have ever written or the best pictures I've ever taken Mm -hmm. have come in moments when I've been struggling the most. And -hmm. I think about that. I think about how, you know, taking the things that you've suffered through, taking the things that you, you know, deal with the junk in your life, and redeeming it and using it to make something beautiful that can encourage somebody else who's struggling with the same thing. Um, if that happens, you know, then it's worth it. It's worth the struggle I went through if I can help somebody else in the same way. Um, and so, you know, looking at, at my creative outlets, you know, doing those things, not just as a way of healing, but as a way of leaving something behind that can help somebody else heal. Mm. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you sort of what, 
impact would you like your story to have on others? And I think you just kind of hit on that. Yeah, I, I don't, um, I've never been a really popular person. I don't like a lot of attention. Um, I'm pretty quiet, even on social media, you know, even though the poll is to have a lot of followers, I don't really yeah. find that I don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like, I don't like popularity. Yeah. And so really, I'd like to just leave behind, you know, a legacy of just my own life and ways that I have, you know, captured, you know, beauty and healing in my pictures or in my writing in ways that just kind of almost like a ripple effect. Like uh, think of like a river that just flows through an area and makes it lush over time. That's kind of how I want my, you know, my legacy to look like. Um, I don't want to make a big splash. I don't want to just, you know, be somebody really famous, but I want to leave behind something that's going to be enduring, something that's going to impact people, you know, long after I'm gone um, and just, you know, in their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That, you just painted a very amazing picture. <laughs> Thank right you. There. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just wanted to ask, because we're, we're kind of reaching the end here. Um, how can we, myself included, obviously, and the listeners, how can we best support you? Um, as you go on these future endeavors, teaching, photography, writing, um, what would be the best way to, to help you? Yeah. Um, making connections is always great. I love, you know, being able to connect with other people who are doing the same thing, who have the same dreams that I do. And so, you know, sharing my story with other people or connecting me with people who are, you know, are in the same vein is always great. Um, and even, you know, just giving me that space, like I said before, you know, having, having collaboration with other people who are being creative, um, giving you that space to, to create and to fail in a yeah. safe, in a safe way. That's always great. Um, you know, just having that support system. And, and then also I just would love to hear too, you know, from people, from my followers, if anybody, you know, is particularly helped by something or they, you know, find it meaningful or impactful. I love to hear that, you know, to help. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I am making a difference that I am doing something that's actually um, worthwhile to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And what would be the best way to get in contact with you if anybody wanted to talk to you or get in touch with you? Instagram is the best way um, that my photography page there. You can, you know, obviously send me a DM. Um, I have a link to my website. I think I've also got my email address linked there. Um, so yeah, if anybody's interested in collaborating or just reaching out to say, Hey, I love your work or it's, you know, meant something to me. That's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I will make sure to include that. Um, once this gets posted, it'll be in the post as well as the YouTube video. Um, Bethany, Thank you so much for your time and for being a part of this. Um, super great talking to you. It's yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm like, first time ever talking to you. And this was such a great conversation. And it's helped me, I feel, as well. Um, like I said, being in a creative rut and talking to somebody who is also creative just always really helps. Um, oh, yeah. So I appreciate yeah, you. I really yeah. And yeah, just being a part of this. And um, I always feel, you know, kind of, not, I guess in a sense, kind of like overwhelmed and that people would want to be a part of this in the first place. I didn't have this huge goal of, you know, having a bunch of people be a part of it. But, you know, the the community is we talked about is expanding, which is yeah amazing to see. So thank you for being a part of it. You're welcome. Thank you for yeah. having me. Of course. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. 
And uh, for all my listeners and everybody watching, thanks for being a part of it too. Thank you.